Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's Civilized Barking, August 18th, I think, Watson Decision Day 2, <laughs> Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd. Um, the verdict is in, we have football clarity, we have an 11 game suspension for Deshaun Watson that includes a $5 million fine uh, in conditions with counseling, treatment, um, that really, if assuming he meets these conditions... Um, allows him back in week 13, um, game 12. And Jason, that's at Houston, which is just bizarre. And that blows every, my mind. <laughs> every part of this um, is bizarre. So I have questions. I think people listening know the basic layout here. And that's been, that, that frankly has made it, um, you know, very tough to go through this whole thing, right? You know, everybody's followed it and everybody had an opinion and everybody's had their own fake insider. And then finally at 1230 or so today, we got it. So um, do you think Deshaun Watson, let's just start here. Do you think Deshaun Watson really has any remorse? Oh, man. Let's start with an easy one. Yeah, geez, why don't you ask me to solve world peace? I'd have an easier time. It's so complicated. Um, you know, full disclosure, I was not there today for the interviews. I was doing radio and TV and thought it'd be rude to get up and walk off the set in the middle of the show. So I stayed. But I read the transcripts. And, you know, you can call it BS. But I actually thought D. Haslam's answer was really good in terms of counseling and therapy and you don't go one time and snap your fingers and all is well, but there's a lot of layers to it and it takes a while. I, 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 I have, I don't know, man. I, there are times where D says things that I, I think are like genuine and I don't know, maybe, maybe you disagree with me, but I, I thought that was a pretty good answer where she basically said, listen, give him some time. And the longer that he's in there, the more he may realize what all has transpired. I, I do think on some level, I think Deshaun realizes he probably did some things he shouldn't have done. Um, but he has been so defiant at so many different terms and all of this that he, listen, he's, he's going to go down on this ship that he he's innocent and he didn't do anything wrong. Even though most of the rest of the world is pointing at him going, yes, you did. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated to, I'm curious to get to know him. I don't know how long he's going to be here. I know how long his contract is, but I don't know how long he's going to be in Cleveland and and just get to know him and and see. Is that how's that for a non-answer? No, it's fine. Um, there are layers to all parts of this, right? 
and nothing has happened in A, the NFL's rulings, B, our podcasts and columns, or C, um, any of the other back and forth that his team, um, which is awful, had been awful at this, um, has engaged in, which the Browns have been pretty bad at this. But let's let's be fair. There are elements to this where there's only so much the Browns could say, both from a legal standpoint and a standpoint of, well, yes, we signed up for this. Why? Because he's a really good quarterback. Jimmy Haslam said that today. When he says it, it rings hollow. It's the truth. Like, that's why I'm staring at a computer screen three hours later going, how do I write this? How do I translate this? You know? Um, The Browns have shown no regret in this, right? Um, You know, Jimmy was asked straight up, would you do this knowing what you know now? And he said, absolutely. And that's the answer he had to give. So I believe him. I believe that to be the truth. Yeah, and it, it very well might be. You know, it it very well might be, Jason. Uh, that's that's the thing here. I so, thought a year would be a disaster. If it was if it was a year, I thought a year was going to be a disaster. And I thought there is no way they would have made this trade had they known he was going to be out a year. But eleven games, it's a lot. But it gives them a chip in a chair at the table if they can survive the first. You know, it does. The, the season them. has a pulse, and that's important. Right. And, and you never know what a season's going to bring from any aspect. And we've seen some Brown seasons bring all sorts of things. Right. But if you're looking at, okay, do we have the pieces? Is it going to be a different offense? Right. Is it going to be a lower ceiling on things, regardless of who it is a quarterback? And we'll certainly get to that. Yes. But could we be afloat, mathematically alive, and doing enough things well? That for the last few games of the season, assuming he can play well and assuming he's uh, clear head, clear mind, and clear of further trouble, let's just be honest. I mean, the one question I had today, uh, and I think it was Marla Ridenauer from the Beacon who beat me to it, you know, this is all out there. Can this guy still be the face of your franchise? Are you comfortable with this guy being the face of your franchise? And, like, the Browns can trot out and trumpet the Nick Chubbs and Miles Garrett and Denzel Wards, all of whom are great players and seem to be good citizens. They can send Chase Winovich to all the community events in the world. Deshaun Watson is the face of their franchise. Deshaun Watson has the single highest guaranteed contract in history. Deshaun Watson did some really creepy things and doesn't know how to apologize for them. <laughs> and so, like, to me, there's still some uncertainty here, Jason, because you don't know how this is going to go, how it's going to be perceived. You know, can this guy stay out of trouble? Can this guy be everything they're saying he can be? In 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 a moment of clarity today, Jimmy said, "We go back to his track record before this. He's never had anything other than this." And they're yes, they're looking for something to hang their hat on, and they're stretching, especially when the opposition is the court of public opinion, because people have made up their minds on Deshaun Watson. And the NFL's ruling, which said Deshaun Watson did predatory and egregious things and did them repeatedly and showed no remorse and lied, backs that up. But the Browns are in his corner, and I thought today was a turning point, not only in the football clarity, as I mentioned, but like if you're going to do this, you got to do it, say it with your chest, and, and, and st- stick up for it. Stick up for yourself a little bit. There's so much to impact. There's so many directions I want to go. I'm never going to remember them all. But one thing... I want to address is kind of uncomfortable, but I think we need to. 
he's going to be out of the facility for six weeks, right? From mm-hmm. August 30th until mid-October, he's not allowed in the facility. He's out. He's working on his own. He's going to need treatment. What happens in those six weeks when he's not allowed in the building? Are the Browns allowed to send a team authorized therapist to work on him? Like, maybe you'll laugh at me and say I'm making too big a deal about this. Where's he going to go for therapy for six weeks when he's not allowed in the building? No, you're not. You're not. I mean, Andrew Barry answered this by saying before they made the transaction, and we'll get to him calling it the transaction too. Um, they had talked about this. So that's right. But, and, and, but those six weeks when he's not allowed in the building is right. what I'm concerned about. No, you're you're right. But but what I'm saying is this this has been worked out. There was going to be a suspension. He was always going to be out of the building for half of it per the rules, at least half of it, right? And during this time is his ordered treatment, counseling and stuff. It will be worked out exactly. So Yes, if you bring up the element of him having the chance to do these things, sure. Um, and given his track record, this is a fair question. And given his track record, the Browns signed up for all of these questions. But I have to believe, and again, it's on the record from the, that that this has been set up many months in advance. And so, again, you you finally get your franchise quarterback. So you think, and you're not. Setting up parades or autograph signings or commercial shoots, you're setting up mandatory people that have to work on him because he can't do it on his own. Does this feel? I wanted to get to this early before I forgot it. Eleven games and a five million dollar fine. The man just signed a two hundred thirty million dollar contract. He's going to make forty six million dollars this year. Five million dollars, like twenty bucks to you and I. This. Like it punishes the Browns more than it punishes Deshaun. Fair or false? Um, I think there's elements of fairness to it. Sure. Um, as I put in the article, which people can probably read by the time um, that they hear this, you know, some of this I I will acknowledge is probably my exhaustion with this whole subject talking. But this felt like, given the odd circumstances and the way it drug out, then this this felt like a fair resolution for for all sides, right? The NFL side, Players Association, Watson, and the Browns. I mean, yes, the Browns are punished, and I do think at some point of this, when it went back and forth, I do think there was an element of pressure from other owners to say, punish the Browns. They should not have done this. They should not have given them that contract. We know what's out there. We know what perceptions are, and we can't do this. Zach, do you think it's the contract or the pursuit of him? Because five other teams pursued him. I wrote 13 other teams showed interest at one time, and we know there was five other finalists or five finalists total, right? I, it's so long I think it's I like think it's both, people. and I think it's it's mostly the contract, but I think it's both, and I think every team or most other most teams had a discussion about Deshaun Watson, and like I said, and that that's been my gray area. Of course, you want to talk about pursuing Deshaun Watson. Of course, you want to do the work and say it and weigh your situation versus where you need to be, but to actually do it is a totally different thing. And, you know, today brings levels of football clarity. And today brings another round of awkward-ass press conferences out of the way. Right? But, like I said, I I have reservations about this guy and about this deal. Because you can't look at the faces here. Of the Haslams, of Andrew Barry, of Kevin, who's been laid out here this whole time. 
right? You can't tell me there was unanimous support for this. You can't tell me that in, and I know they've been working, and I really think that as far as the day-to-day grind of camp, one installation to the next, one off day to the next, that it hasn't been that big of a deal. But man, the scattered beliefs and the scattered schedule and pulling the plug on him to put Brissett in the huddle and now getting ready and he's still around like all of this, man, it's weird. And I just, I, I have a hard, hard, hard time believing there's a united front on this, right? I, I just, and I, we'll see how it goes and ultimately it will come down to how he plays. But the way this has played out, I have an impossible time believing that the five or eight people who carry the most cloud in the Browns building and who are put their names on their work in every regard are really on board with the price that was paid, the toll that was taken, and the uncertainty still going forward. And and don't tell me there's no uncertainty going forward. Like there's it's just not. There's a lot. There there is. So so I'm I'm curious. I just want to circle back because it's funny to me that, I mean, the Texans aren't really competing this year. We know that. But, and, and they wrote some checks, but they didn't lose draft picks. They didn't lose anything. And, and the Browns, I think, should get hit. But they invited this. They, they, they signed up for this. But none of this occurred on their watch. And yet they're punished with two-thirds of their season gone. And a quarterback gets a, a $25 fine, basically. For, for you and I, if you want to hit Deshaun Watson, hit him with a $20 million fine. Hit six games and make it a 20, make it eight games even and make it a $20 million fine. It just, it just feels to me in a way like the Browns are being punished worse than Deshaun. And maybe people will say, good, you know, that's what they get for pursuing this guy. But it just strikes me as funny that none of these, none, none of this occurred on their watch and they're feeling it than anyone. Well, I understand what you're saying, but there's a couple reasons I'm not sure I agree. I mean, all of this that occurred was supposedly very much out there, and the Browns wanted to hurry up and say they did their research, right? And what's the story? We got the Haslam's cleared up with their daughters. They're months and months of this, and like they were. And I know that all the way up to and through this morning, even Jason, there, there was what was coming out was obviously one sided. Right, it was the players' association leaking that their settlement was getting closer. Uh, in May and June, what I'm specifically referring to is the HBO thing and things like that. Um, but like, it's pretty clear the Browns didn't do full research on what was there and what might have been there. And so, for them to make this trade, and again, I know a lot of teams pursued it. I know a lot of teams talked about it. Um. They took on this tremendous risk on multiple fronts. And they were signing up for every potential pitfall, every chemistry breaker, every uncertainty on the calendar that comes with it. They, they signed up for it. That, that's, that's my response to that. And I can't disagree with that. I don't dispute that. That's why, like, yeah, they did. They welcomed this. They invited us. They knew what they were signing up for. It just, I don't know, the more I thought about it today, it just kind of struck me that uh, it feels like the Browns are being punished more than Deshaun. And like I said, some people may agree with that and think, good, I'm glad they are. Uh, let's move on, Zach, to 
just in terms of, of what this means under the collective bargaining agreement. We know he's going to be eligible now for six games this season. Does that mean his contract continues to run just as it was signed? And that would indicate he's a 10 million cap hit this year and a $55 million cap hit next year. Is that, am I reading that correctly? Or is there something I'm missing? Yes. So there had been some vagueness to, um, Browns fans know the six games to for a contract count rule from the Josh Gordon era. Like Josh Gordon was in the NFL for seven years before he achieved restricted free agency, which is for 30 year players. Right. But in the new CBA, there was that, that six games thing was not anywhere. There had been some vagueness to it, but, um, he will be eligible for six games. The contract will count. So his suspension will come out of his $1 million base salary. Um, and the contract will go on, so there will be four years left, and the Browns will head into the next year with Watson being $55 million cap hit. Now, eventually, they, they can restructure that, and they will. Uh, but there's no major tweaking that needs to take place with that. Uh, the Browns had written into the contract that any um, violation, any suspension for a violation of the personal conduct policy, which in a normal contract voids your guarantees, um, any suspension in 22 or 23 would not void the guarantees as long as it was based on previously disclosed and discussed incidents. So um, that's not like a huge groundbreaking headline making thing, because, of course, this was a different contract. Right. Of course, the situation here with Deshaun Watson was different and the Browns knew that they were going to protect themselves in there. So, yes, the contract goes on. They have 50 some million in cap space, but they're going to need that rollover because next year Deshaun's takes off next year. Amari Cooper's takes off. They did a similar thing, obviously not with the same language, but Amari Cooper is making very little money in base salary this year. And for the next two years is making a ton of money, a cap number, like in the 22 to $23 million range. So having that as clarity is important for the big picture. Again, we don't know what kind of contenders for the playoffs they're really going to be when he comes back. We don't know how long, um, you know, and assuming again he completes everything required and comes back, we don't know how long it's going to take him to get up to speed. It'll be 700 days, Jason, um, from between regular season games for him. Everybody saw the three series in the preseason game; it didn't go well. That that is not alarming to me. Um, I think that was a distracted Browns team in a bad environment, and there's a lot going on. So we'll see. Now we know it's not going to be just flip the switch and all all of a sudden your offense is new and has chemistry and all of that stuff, right? But um, the Browns have a vision of what they wanted this to look like offensively. And when you watch him run the RPOs and stuff in camp, you see that. The Browns had a vision of where he can take the offense. And it's still a hypothetical. Um, it's still a maybe. And we'll see. We know they can run the ball. We know they can play defense. Um, what are they going to do at quarterback? So they have the money to go pursue Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think they would ever take him on at the 24 he's owed, but maybe he'll get cut in a couple weeks. Maybe the Niners would pick some up, or maybe he would appreciate the opportunity here and redo his salary because it would be better than what he was going to do elsewhere. There are options there. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to go. I'd be stunned if anything on that front happened imminently. Right? They have one more day as we record this with the Philadelphia Eagles. They have a game that the starters aren't going to play. And they have a regular work week next week, which Stefanski's been saying is going to be our dress rehearsal week, three days of practice, and then a game in which Jacoby Brissett will play. And they're getting him ready to play. So, yeah, I don't even think it's a question 
Jason, that the Browns were comfortable with Brissett four or six games and have to ask themselves how comfortable they are at 11 games. But then that's where the questions start to pile up again of do you take on Garoppolo? If you don't trade for him, does he really want to come here knowing he'd just be replaced in December? You know, how long would it take him to get ready? How much of an upgrade is he? So, you know, I see every possibility of this thing staying afloat by the time December rolls around. I also I, th- I think you have to trade for go ahead. Yeah, no, I also see the pass offense being terrible and the Browns being four and seven by the time that rolls around. I think you have to trade for him because you can't just assume that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to want to come to Cleveland if he has his choice. Yeah. And maybe and maybe the way he gets out of it is he refuses to renegotiate. And and that's his excuse me, his clear indication he doesn't want to come here. I think it's a great situation for him, personally, for a year. Uh, it's obviously a ton of talent around him. It's a, he show up motivated. It's it's like Baker Mayfield 2.0, quite frankly, going into a new environment. You got one year to prove yourself and get a new deal. Uh, the difference is, you know, Baker could be in Carolina for a really long time, and Jimmy's only going to be here for one year. But it's still, you're playing one year, coming off an injury on a make good deal to set up your next contract. And he'd have a ton of talent around him, but there's no guarantee. Who's to say that he wouldn't rather go to Seattle or, or, or pick any destination over Cleveland? What top free agents do choose Cleveland when given the opportunity yeah. to? So I think they knew, I think they do need to pursue a trade on this. And, and Zach, this does, like I said, this feels like Baker all over again, just the Browns being on the other side where you have to give up a, a pick that's really not going to hurt you in the long run. And you're going to ask this guy to give back a little bit of cash. What does a what would a Jimmy restructure look like in your mind that the Browns would be comfortable living with? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of parallels to Baker, including that you know Carolina was ultimately the place for Baker because they were the only real suitor. I think it's very possible that assuming everyone stays healthy in the preseason this weekend, and that assuming that Seattle is fine, just not being good this year if it doesn't work with Drew Locke and Geno Smith, that Jimmy's most logical safest, smartest landing place is Cleveland. Um, Baker ended up going down to $15 million, right? And then with, with the chance to get that back, I don't see Jimmy going much lower than that, but I could be wrong. Um, he could be released without a trade and then have to play for 8 or 12, right? I, I, I don't know, like I said, that there, there are other places for him. So we know the Browns have some picks, um, and they've they've stocked up on picks in the back. They don't have their picks in the front, and and that's potentially a problem, you know, going forward as well. But to me, it's more of okay, how much of an upgrade is he? And you know, given the fit, given his experience, it, I, I think it's the answer is potentially yes. But you've already changed who's at the front of your huddle once in training camp. Now you're shifting into getting ready for games. Um, with really three weeks left to do that. And then if this guy's brought in and it's looming there, you know, when's the last time you heard of a team that had a training camp quarterback question um, and that team went on and thrived, <laughs> right? Like it, it happens. It just doesn't happen very often. So um, sometimes the guy comes out of the bullpen and, and saves you, but that happens a lot more in baseball than it does in the NFL. So I just think they have to weigh all of those things of what they want to do. We don't have any indication 
the indication that I have is no, and that's that the Browns never wanted to go the Jimmy Garoppolo route because of his injury history, because of the money, and because they thought talent-wise it was a marginal upgrade from Baker. Now, talent is not the only reason that they broke up with Baker. And Deshaun is a big reason they ultimately did break up with Baker, right? But there is something to be said for we finally have built some continuity here. Um, and do we want to throw a quarterback change uh, on on these guys again? Is that what's best for our team? I think it makes the ceiling higher, right? But again, if you're just pulling the plug on Jimmy, like how many times do you want to do this? They, they, they have the money, even though it will stand crazy if you just look at it on a piece of paper or on your computer screen and it says Watson got $240 million and Brissett got seven and Dobbs got one and Baker got 15 to leave and then we paid Jimmy somewhere between eight and 24, right? But that can all work out. Uh, it's just a question of how much do you want to, how much musical chairs can you really do and at what point does it become detrimental to your operation? Well, I agree with you. And- and the, that's exactly right. The Browns didn't see much of a difference between Baker and Jimmy G. They didn't see much of an upgrade. But that's not the world that we're living in anymore. Mm-hmm. And and he's a significant upgrade over what you have in Jacoby Brissett. And I think I said it at the start of the podcast. I can't remember now if I said it at the start of this podcast or not. But And, and listen, quarterback rating isn't the end-all, be-all stat. But Jimmy Garoppolo's worst season in quarterback rating is better than Jacoby Brissett's best season. Like, there's no comparison. Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback. He's taken his team to the Super Bowl, and he, and he was a couple plays away from taking the Niners to the Super Bowl again last year. And here's really where it comes down to for me. Because he knew it was a six-game suspension all along, so you kind of crossed those six games off, and you could live with Jacoby Brissett for those six games. Zach, week seven, the, the game with opponents seven through 11 could make or break the season. At Baltimore, Cincinnati, at Miami, at Buffalo, home to Tampa Bay. That stretch can decide whether or not there's even anything left for Deshaun Watson to play for when he does return. And as you know better than anybody, Jimmy Garoppolo could be the difference over Jacoby Brissett in one or two games. That's all we're talking about here, one or two games. But that's the difference in making the playoffs you're not in the NFL is one or two games. You oh. have to go get him. Yeah, You have to go get him because the way that the roster is constructed, because of the fact that you've got mercenaries out here like Jadavian Clowney, you got a guy like like you mentioned to me and Amari Cooper. You think these guys have faith in Jacoby Brissett to lead them for 11 games? I don't. <laughs> no, and, and I've seen nothing on the field that indicates they should. Now, I, I have seen the passing game beyond Deshaun Watson get better as camp has gone on, and that should be the case because that should show growth, right, from everybody starting anew and being sloppy early in camp to as you move from the – install something new everyday phase to the actual refining phase and let's find something that works. And on the days that Amari's not out there in camp and he's smartly being held out every now and again, these guys, whoever's playing quarterback is playing with receivers with no, nothing proven in their track record, right? Nothing at all. I just think Jason, yeah. um, The Browns got a favorable four of the six at home. We know the first four, they're, they probably have a chance to be favored if they're not certainly favored, regardless of who's the quarterback. Those are winnable games. But four of the last six are on the road, and you mentioned that stretch. And we know it's brutal. And we know it comes down to one game. Um, if you do want to play that, like you mentioned, and if you think you get Garoppolo in here, you get the best of him, and he gets a chance to play well and then hit free agency, then you look at 
he walks away, Clowney walks away, those guys sign other places, you get a count pick back, you're playing the long game. I just, like I said, for a team that's already had a lot of movement and has a lot of questions, I don't know that you do it here. And that leads me to what can be my last point here. Um, I shuddered when I heard Andrew Barry say during the press conference, the transaction. We talked during the transaction. Like, this is a smart guy, and he's so programmed, he calls it the transaction. And there is a time that as a front office, you look at everything the same way as just the transaction. But this was not any – like, a transaction is what you need to do if you need to call the Detroit Lions in three weeks and beg them for their fourth tight end for a seventh-round pick. Right? Like, this Watson thing was the transaction in any move you make at quarterback, which affects the most important room, which affects the front of the huddle, the chemistry, and going back to last year, the belief from your locker room that you can't actually get it done is really delicate and it's really important. And I do not disagree with anything you said about Jimmy's track record, Jimmy's fit, and Jimmy being better than Jacoby Brissett. I just know, and I don't have the answer, that there, the moving parts here and the delicateness of of this thing has to give you pause for how you would go about it and what it would lead to. Um, you know, and I'm going to put this on digital paper here in in the coming days and weeks. Like, if the Browns can be five and six, they can be right in it. If they can be six and five, even better. As long as they're pretty healthy and doing the things pretty well that we think they're going to do well. And, you know, making a few kicks, causing a few turnovers, they'll be right in it. But, you know, I I just don't know. And if it was as cut and dried as Jimmy Garoppolo showing up here is healthy and significantly better than Jacoby Brissett, then I'd say have him on the plane right now. But it's just not that. So I have real reservations about how it's going to go. And it's not, again, it's not the Watson transaction. But it's also not just a transaction. It's a huge, huge deal uh, with how you'd have to handle it. Andrew Berry was asked twice today that I saw in the transcript about Jacoby Brissett for 11 games and if they would look outside. And at no point did he commit to Jacoby Brissett that's, playing that's all correct. 11. He did not. He did not even come close to committing to that. So uh, when asked, I got the one quote in front of me. We have a lot of confidence in Jacoby. We have seen him play in Indianapolis and Miami. We've seen him here on the practice field. We think he has had a really good camp, so we have a lot of confidence. That was on the question of whether or not Jacoby would be the starting quarterback for the first 11 games of the season. That was nowhere near a definitive yes, which tells me that they are very seriously contemplating the Jimmy G factor, whether they like him or not, because he's better than what they have. And as someone who's been to camp every day but one, and who's been in a lot of these camps to the point that he has a Ph.D. in bad quarterbacking, um, <laughs> Jacoby Brissett has not had a very good camp, guys. He's lying to you when he says that. There is a tr- He's not lying when he says there's a level of trust in Jacoby Brissett. There's a level of certainty in who he is, what he can do, his professionalism, his experience, that he won't freak out, that he won't throw terrible interceptions. But he doesn't move. He struggles to push the ball down the field. And like I said, even though I have seen growth in the passing game, I know what a bad passing game looks like. And as recently as nine months ago, I was watching one every week, and so were you guys, right? That leads me to my last thought. Um, Jason, we mentioned our article where we we just kind of swap thoughts on this and, and try to keep it moving, you know, with the understanding that most people knew the nuts and bolts of it and we wanted to talk about, 
you know, what we saw. Um, at one point you said as hard as we were on Baker. And you're right. And, and I understand people that read and listen think that. At no point did either one of us go out of our way to be hard on Baker. He was a fourth-year quarterback returning from a playoffs, piloting a really good roster. Like, there should be expectations, right? And I go back to, I don't know, maybe early to mid-July. You remember this because I think I asked you a question when I was doing this column. And I was pretty hard on the Browns for doing this and the uncertainty of it. I didn't sit down on that either and say I'm going to be hard on the Browns today. I kind of laid out what's there. And so th- this is kind of my my closing thought here is like, you don't make this trade unless you think unless you think you're really ready to win a lot of games and your team is really ready to take it on. Um, upstairs, downstairs, the veteran players, the new guys handling the ups and downs of the season. So they're out there and the goals are high and the bar is high. And that's different from what it's ever been around here, at least in the team's new era. And that's good, right? But there's a lot at stake here. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I think, absolutely think, I wouldn't have written it or said it if I didn't, that the Browns can bob and weave their way to contention and give Watson a chance to be a football hero in December. But I also think if there's uncertainty and specifically bad play at quarterback, that a lot more than the offense can go sideways and this thing could be a disaster. And if there is dissension in the ranks, as I mentioned before, um, we could have some real organizational shakeup from this because this is not a transaction. This is a franchise-defining trade. And I, st- I come out of this latest resolution, this latest Watson decision day, with real concerns about everybody really being on the same page about things. He will be off nearly two years, two full calendar years, by the time he gets back out on the field. <laughs> Who's to say they aren't seven and four when he takes over and he struggles the first three games? Like, that's a really long time to be off. Yeah. I would play him in the first game. They did. I'm totally fine with not playing him in these next two. I don't think any good can come of it. I don't think anything you can do in the second preseason game would have any carryover to a, a week 13 game at Houston. But boy, it's weird. I just feel like everyone's just sort of assuming, hey, let's just hold serve until he comes in and saves the season. And I'm not sure that's a guarantee, Zach. He's going to have a lot of emotion, a lot of rust, a lot of everything. And by the way, you and I have both said he's a top, at least I've said he's a top five quarterback in this league. I think he's fantastic. But under the circumstances, under the, the length of the layoff, how much time he has off what little time he has left this year when he does get back I, I think it's far from a guarantee that he's just going to come in and play like an all pro the last six games of the season yep and we can leave it at that um you're going to draw your own conclusions on his sincerity on Haslam's sincerity on their presentation there uh no one knows the football answers right on how that and and the other elements that go into it and and we'll see um it's not a team that handled adversity well last year, right? And there were football reasons and factors in that. And there was also a starting safety at home on Christmas tweeting, run the damn ball <laughs> to his head coach, <laughs> right? So um, we will see how all of that goes. We've broken it down for now. Uh, we probably will not pod on Sunday after the preseason game simply because no starters are going to play. But we will pod. Uh, We will get on a more regular routine here. We will get into some other football aspects. I'll have a 53-man projection probably in the next four days. And shoot, we're only 12 days away from the 53-man roster becoming a thing. So 
going to get back to a semi-normal training camp. The Browns don't know normal. They don't do normal. Uh, But they have football clarity. We thank you for listening, for reading, for sticking with us. And uh, we will talk to you soon.